0: And welcome to Travels with Squeaky. I'm your host, Kathy Belge. Travels with Squeaky is a podcast for solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers. And I am sitting here in Lapine State Park with a new friend that I just met, Margaret Dunn. Margaret and I are part of a Facebook group of women travelers called Wander Women RVers. And we're having a little meetup here at the park. And she and I met. And she started telling me about her hobby, which is geocaching. And I thought it was really interesting. And I wanted to share it on this podcast. And I want, I asked her to come on and be a guest so that we can all learn a little bit more about this. Uh, do you call it a hobby, Margaret? I would, An activity, I would a call sport? It more
1: activity, something. Some people call it a sport. I don't exactly view it as a sport because you don't have to be athletically training to do it.
0: Okay. Well, it's, it's a very interesting um, activity, and I'm super interested in, in hearing you tell me all about it. But first, let's back up for a minute and just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you got started in RV travel.
1: Okay, I am from uh, a town, oh, 45 minutes or so north of Seattle, Washington, um, called Marysville. Um, I uh, have been RVing, oh gosh, well, since I met my husband, but RVing solo probably off and on for 15 years. Uh, Started with a... Nice little tent trailer that we beat up really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when my son, who used to go with me, grew up and moved out, I didn't have anybody to help me set it up, and it took too long. I got kind of tired of that, so I got a trailer. Okay. And now, is that the trailer you're in now? Uh, no. Actually, I got uh, an A-frame. Okay. Um Wanted something a little warmer, a little more substantial, and there are some parks that won't let you in with a tent trailer, uh, mostly uh, bear issues, Mm. Uh, not so much around here. Um, So we moved into the hard-sided one, and then I used that for about 10 years, and then decided I was tired of marking my spot in the woods when I had to go to the bathroom.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you wanted one with a, with a bathroom, and now you are in this really cute, go it, ahead, I'll let you say what it
1: is. It's a 16-foot uh, single-axle Airstream. It's technically a sport uh, RB, RB standing for rear bed, okay. um, and it has a wet bath in it. Uh, we named her Ursula, or I named her Ursula. Um, and we also call her the most expensive bathroom we've ever bought. But we bought her used um, okay. just before the pandemic started. Oh, so this is a new rig to you. This is a new rig for me. Actually, um, I've only been camping in it not quite a year. I started last June, um, shortly after I got uh, laid off from work mm. because of the pandemic. Okay, um, And have been... All over the place, mostly Washington and uh, Oregon. Uh, but learning a lot, still learning, but yeah. it's been fun.
0: Awesome. And you're out here on your own at uh, Lapine State Park?
1: Yes. I'm. Oh, uh, my husband, yeah. um, he's at home. He's very supportive of me going out. And I always check with him before I leave because I think, oh, maybe he's, he wants me to stay, but nope. He's fine with me going almost any time I want to go and anytime any place I'd like to go. So, and does he ever go with you? Not He, he and I do. We do um, a, a RV together, but we haven't for um, a few years, partly because um, our other trailer, which is also an Airstream, but it's old, um, has needed a little bit of help. And then the truck has really needed a little mm. bit of help. And then there's the dog who probably um, is getting, she's 16, so she's, so we do RV together. He's never RV'd in this rig with me. So this is your rig. This is for you. Yeah. Okay. And it was, it was his insistence. Nice. I was ready for something um, less, I I don't know, almost less flashy for want of a better term. Uh But he said, nope. This is what you're going to get. Get in it.
0: there, Stream. Go for it. So if we, that's
1: your dream, do it. It wasn't my dream, but I'm quite happy with it. Awesome. <laughs> and I like how
0: you have it all decked out. It's very purple in here. It's really nice little touches.
1: She's got a Ursula. We, we named her Ursula the bear. She has a crush on Smoky Bear.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, good. A good bear to have a crush on, for sure. <laughs> all right. So I want to get now into your activity geocaching. So why don't you give me a basic overview for someone who maybe has never heard of it.
1: Um, Geocaching, the the real short, almost jokey response, but it's kind of um, accurate. Um, Geocaching is where I use multi-million dollar satellites to find Tupperware hidden in the woods with a (laughs) GPS. That's the real short jokey one. But it's basically, at its basic level, and particularly when it started, it uh, was, somebody goes and hides a container somewhere. It can be in the woods, it can be in the city, it can be in a park. Uh, they're literally all over the place. And they use a GPS-enabled device, sometimes a handheld GPS. Uh, you can also use a cell phone if you've uh, got a, uh, an app for it, which there are apps. Um, and they take coordinates, they hide the container. The very least thing that needs to be in that container is a piece of paper so that find when somebody finds the container they can put their geocaching name in there and the, the date if it's big enough and then they fasten it back up, put it back where they found it, and leave it for somebody else to find. Geocaching name. What is your geocaching name? My geocaching name is Fluteface. Okay. All one word with F's like yes, the, the musical instrument and the nose on your face. Fluteface. Because you play the flute. I do play the yeah. flute. This is true. Okay, so I know you can use your phone, but
0: it seems like you have a GPS device. Do you want to tell us about that? where someone might get one and and what the cost is to kind of get
1: into the sport? Um, You can actually get into the sport for free, Uh, geocaching.com is the basic uh, and probably the largest and maybe the only one left, I'm not sure, uh, company that handles geocaching. Um, All of the geocaches that I find are through them. So. Initially, they're free. And actually, if you don't want to pay a yearly fee, that's fine. You can use your phone if you already have your phone. That's, you've you've already paid for that. Geocaching.com has an app that will work on Android devices and iOS devices. The app is free as well. So you can get into it very basically for free. But um, I have been in it for a while and I'm, probably what they might call an old-school geocacher, and I use a handheld GPS, um, which if you wanted to go that route, you could spend... I'm thinking you might be able to get a new one for about a $100. Oh, okay. Um, But they lack certain... um, The less money that you spend, um, they lack certain things like... um, I'm in flux between GPSs right now. Mm -hmm. I have actually two, but... Uh, one of them is brand new. It was a Mother's Day gift, Yay. and I'm I'm learning how to use it still. But um, it's it's pretty cool. So Jeep.
0: So these are the same GPS devices that maybe somebody would use if they were into off road biking or hiking and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yes.
1: Both of these. Um, the, the older one that I have um, you can mount it on your bike you can mm-hmm. uh, there's marine mounts um, I have a mount for this uh, in my car because I added maps to it so I could use road routing to okay. get into general the general area of the geocache um, and quite frankly there's often geocaches right next to the road they call them parking grabs okay um, this one, the second one that I have is so new that there's no car thing for it yet. Okay. Um, so I'm waiting, anxiously waiting, because it's uh, quite a bit larger than the other. But I um, have carried these on pack straps um, just so that it's right there. Um, they're wonderful. But okay. I'm old school.
0: <laughs> so the basic premise is you go online, you find the location of this cache, You enter the coordinates into your GPS and then you go off to find
1: it. That's right. Um, However, you can, depending on the devices that you have, you can download information from your computer or if you're using a phone through your cell uh, provider, you can download information to that without having to program them in by hand. Okay old days, we had to do that. Oh, gotcha. we carry paper, hmm. and I can remember geocaching with the girls, and somebody would be sitting over there programming the GPS and then telling me where to drive to. Okay. <laughs> Did you ever have it where you were just using maps? Not for geocaching. Okay. The, uh, to get in close enough, you really need to have the GPS. Um, it will... It, There's a lot dependent on how close you get to the cache, but on this side, where it's a little drier than the wet side of uh, the Cascades, um, coordinates are usually pretty good, but it sometimes depends on how they took their coordinates and what they took them with. Sometimes phones... Not quite as accurate? It depends on the phone, and it depends on the user. Gotcha.
0: Okay. All right, so let's say I wanted to start out geocaching, and I've got, my, I've got my coordinates, I know where I'm going. How do I know if where I'm going is in the middle of the woods, or if, it's, if it is, like you said, just off the side of the road? Will you know
1: that before you head out? Usually. Um, you, there's a couple ways you can know that. Um, sometimes, So every cache has a cache page online, and there's a description in there. And it might tell you that it's a park. It might just say it's a park and grab. Or if you look on your map, it may uh, your electronic map on mm-hmm. your device. It may show it right next to a road. Mm. Um, there are a very few, a very few caches that actually geocache with Google Maps, Google Earth, mm. and they will put the coordinates in. Or y- there's a way I believe that you can transfer them into Google Earth, and then they'll look at Google Earth and say, "Oh, well, that's." And and they don't use a GPS. Those are rare. Okay. Most geocachers use some kind of device. Okay. To go looking. All right. So what's the appeal for you with this with this activity? Um, well, it takes me new places. That's the best thing I can okay. I can say. To, today I went out and found seven caches. Um, I thought I was going somewhere else. I actually thought I was going to a place that I'd been to before. Um. I was wrong mm-hmm. but that's okay because the place the places that I ended up there were three places I went two of them were totally unexpected um, not where I thought I was I mean I wasn't lost when you say unexpected what tell me what you mean by that um I thought I was going to a certain cache that I had been to before but had um, it had been archived which means that uh, it disappeared or the mm. owner decided they didn't want it anymore and they took it out. Um, and I thought that's where I was going because somebody had put in a new cash hmm. in the same place, but it turns out it wasn't even the place I thought it was. It was a beautiful place though. It, it, I, I'm speechless almost. Okay. So is that also kind of the
0: purpose of this is to find a beautiful place to hide, hide a cash? Um,
1: or not exactly because that's how... My husband geocaches in particular. My husband owns two geocaches. He is much more into the more beautiful places. Let's go see what's here or uh, explore here. Um, The two caches that he owns are in really spectacular places. They're beautiful. Um, He's very particular. Me on the other hand, I do the activity because I like it. It does take us to cool places like today was pretty amazing, all things considered. And when we're together, my husband and I, we generally geocache to the beautiful places. Mm. I, on the other hand, sometimes find it to be more of a social activity. Um, I have uh, many friends that are geocachers. Um, we get together. Uh, we camp together. We geocache together. Uh, we socialize uh I'm not rabid. We've got some geocachers that have found 100,000 caches. Wow. Geocaching's only been going on 21 years now. Um, me, I'm down around 5,500. That's quite a bit. Yeah, but I cache sometimes, and then I maybe don't cache for a while, and then I cache some more. Because I, I can come back any time and, and do it, and it, it it's worked for me.
0: Okay. Well, I want to hear more about this social aspect because obviously this is a podcast for solo women and women who are looking for things to do when they're out traveling. And so tell me why, you know, a bit about the social aspect and, and what is involved and, and if someone wanted to get involved, like how they might find a community. Um,
1: so for starters, I think for a beginning geocacher be brave, because I remember my very first event, and I was not brave at it. I was scared to death. Hmm. Um, we have geocaching events. It's one type of cache that's out there. They call them events, and you go to the event. Granted, there were more of them before COVID, and I expect there will be more when things mm-hmm. get better there. Um, and you meet other cachers, and so many cachers are so so willing to help. And, and teach you if you want to be taught. S- because sometimes when you're new, and especially if you haven't even found a cache, it's hard to find them. Mm. You don't know what to look for.'t you don't, you don't know that, okay, your geocache says you're two feet away, but really the geocache might be 20 feet another direction because the coordinates are not always ac- they're not always accurate. So it gets a little difficult to find them, especially when you're starting. But then they help you know what to look for. Gotcha. Okay. And and what
0: else? Are there other things that happen at these gatherings? Like, do you get together at the end of the night and talk about the caches you found, or have
1: campfires or anything like that? Um. Well, yeah, we um we've got on. There's a a thing called um a cache machine. Uh, it sounds. <laughs> And there actually was, uh, there was a guy locally in my neck of the woods up in Washington State that had a cache that was in a cache machine. Uh, But um, a cache machine is uh, where there's a gentleman who quarterly puts together a list of caches in a particular area. Mm -hmm. And then we get together and form carpools and all ride together and go find the caches. And then when we're done, we have a dinner.
0: Nice. There's a,
1: a dinner afterwards. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's
0: awesome. Sounds like a, a good thing to, you know, if somebody's into doing this, it would be a good way to meet other people also involved. Do you have any interesting or unique stories about caches that maybe you found that that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I was thinking about that. And there's two sets of caches that come to mind. Um Both of them uh, were, um, I did not do it solo, but this could be done solo. Uh, One of them took a year plus to complete. So there's what's called challenge caches. Mm. And a challenge cache generally requires you to find certain caches that meet a requirement that the the owner of the cache challenge wants you to do, like... I haven't done this one. I qualified, but I just haven't bothered with it. Um, In this one, cacher says you find X number of caches in rest stops. Mm. Um, Find, you know, 50 uh, caches in rest stops, and then you can go find the final for that cache. Um, So that's an example. So my husband um, is into... Forest fire lookouts, the Mm. old sites, um, of which there's hundreds of them. Three states on the west coast or in the Pacific Northwest have what's called a forest fire uh, lookout challenge, where you go find X number of caches within a certain uh, distance from what used to be or may currently still be a forest fire lookout site. Generally, it's about a tenth of a mile but it's a little bit dependent. Um, So my husband and I, it took more than a year to do because it's at elevation and there's snow. uh, So you have to do it when there's no snow. Uh, So we did this Washington State Forest Fire Lookout Challenge. And I have to say it was probably the best tour of the state that I have ever had, all from elevations. Uh, I think there's one called Sun Top, which is you go up there and the view of Mount Rainier, literally in your face wow. from there. Uh, we we you can do that challenge a, a number of different ways uh, per the cash owner, and we chose to do the one that encompassed the whole state, okay. uh, and. Washington State. Washington State. There is one in Oregon, which we keep thinking about doing, but we haven't quite started it very well. And there's also one in Idaho. happens to be owned by a cacher by the name of Lookout Lisa. Oh. So, very, very fun. The other one uh, was in Nevada. Uh, Nevada is interesting because their back roads have what's called power trails, where there is a cache along... Uh, remote roads, generally. Uh, caches can be as close as one-tenth of a mile. Can't be any closer, but physical mm. caches, one-tenth of a mile. And there are miles of these caches. One-tenth of a mile apart, thousands of them. Wow. But, we, no, I didn't do those. There also happens to be, because it's Nevada and it's kind of near Area 51, Yeah. Um, a shaped series of caches, and this series of caches is in the shape of an alien head
0: mm. and I
1: believe there's another one in the shape of a flying saucer okay um, so we went out and did the alien head you have to walk it because there's no road so I was pretty I was pretty pleased with myself yeah. 52 caches in four hours
0: how, how many
1: miles um, I don't know but they were all a tenth of a mile apart okay all Not, right. but they weren't in a line yeah they, they were in, in a shape. shape. Um, geocaching art kind of thing. There yeah. happens to be a Cocopelli, which I'm kind of fond of, in yeah. Utah. Someday yeah. maybe I'll get down there to do that one. Oh, well, uh, that's, that's
0: kind of cool. So tell me, uh, i got a couple questions now. One is, uh, is there a lot of physical activity? Does one need to be in
1: really good shape in order to do this? Depends on how much you want to do. Um, are, all geocaches are rated by how hard it is to find them, and the terrain you have to go through to get to them. Okay. Um, so, and it's rated from one. Each, each of those items is rated in half steps from one to five. Five in difficulty being the hardest. Maybe it's a really hard puzzle. Um, sometimes it's just how the cache is hidden. You can't assume that it's just one obvious container. Mm. Sometimes you might find a flat magnet that has official-looking writing on the front, or maybe is painted to blend in with what it's stuck to. You take the magnet off, and on the back is a piece of paper to sign. Okay. So that's a five. Okay. On the terrain, a one implies that somebody in a wheelchair could find the cache and reach it. Uh, Maybe it's a guardrail magnetic kind of thing that they can get right next to. There's, Mm -hmm. There's plenty of other ways that it could happen. A five generally implies that you're going to need special equipment. Scuba tanks. Climbing gear, technical climbing gear, as an example. So there's geocaches under the ocean well, under, underwater. Yes. Wow. Uh, I, um, there might be one under the ocean. I'm not really sure. I mean, somewhere deep. Um, there are some special caches like that. Um, I believe there used to be one on the space station. Wow. <laughs> How interesting. But those are very special. Okay. Um, very, very special kind of caches. Um, but the, or, um, a common thing you might need for a terrain five would be a boat. Okay. Not a public ferry, but a boat or a kayak, or you might have to swim to it or who knows. Wow.
0: How fun. How fun. So tell me when you find one of these caches, like what, besides a piece of paper, tell me more about what might be in one, what the container might be like, what, what is it? You know, is there anything especially appealing about the
1: particular cache or is it just that you found it? It depends again on how you play the game. There's so many ways to play it, but at, at a basic level, every physical geocache has a container that could be as small as half of the size of the joint on my, the last joint on my little finger. Wow. It could be that small, maybe even smaller. Okay, that one's a little wonky, but um, that's the basic size. Um, And sometimes these are, this particular one that's in my hand is often used as a pill container. You can buy them at drugstores. We call them bison bison tubes. But these little teeny caches, each one of them have paper in them. Yeah, so
0: I'm holding a a little tube. It's a little metal tube, and it's about uh, maybe an inch long.
1: Yeah. Okay, that would be difficult to find somewhere in the it, middle of the It ones. might be. Now, I found one today that was a little bit bigger um, out by Fort Rock. Okay. Um, but it was a little bigger than this, and it was right out in the open. Mm. It's amazing how many people, this could be right out in the open, and people don't see it. Yeah. There's one in my hometown that's this color, happens to be hanging on a chain link fence. People drive by it every day, and it has not disappeared. And there's the log from the little teeny one.
0: Oh my gosh, you couldn't even write on that as well. Well, yeah, tiny. you could.
1: But that <laughs> one's that one hasn't that log has never been used. Okay. So it's still kind of taped shut. Yeah. But yeah, you and then you take it out, you unroll it, and then you have to roll it back up. But there are little tools that you can find that will help you with okay. that. <laughs> so it, it, it comes that small to how big do you want to get? I've seen caches that are bigger than me. Oh. Those are not the rule, though. Generally, okay. uh, a geocache is rated like a regular size geocache might be the size of uh, an ammo box container. Um, like a
0: shoebox size?
1: Yeah, shoebox size is a good size. Please don't put shoe boxes out there. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Um, yeah, about that size. It'll have a larger log in it. Sometimes it's a a little pad, a steno pad or something like that. It should have a, what's called a stash note in it that says, if you found this by accident, um, Mm. this is what to do. If you don't want it here, if you like it here, go ahead and join us and sign the log and go here and what to do next. Oftentimes there's trading items in there, uh, toys for kids, um, Sometimes there's money in there. Doesn't happen very often. You can find change often. Mm -hmm. You can find change. I think I found a $20 gift certificate once in one cash. And, uh, just for you to take for the finder to take. Well, ideally what you want to do is trade relatively evenly. Okay. Uh, Unless it's specified otherwise. Mm. Uh, first to find, the person who finds a new cash first, That's a, for some people that's a really big deal. And oftentimes there's a prize in there for ah. the first to find person okay. who can take it and keep it if that's what the cash owner has specified.
0: Okay. And, Very good. Very good. Um yeah. So just, yeah, so not it's not like there's expensive things in there, but just little tokens and little fun, maybe little fun things to find.
1: Generally, that's right. I um, found, I I love silver things, and um, there was, it's been several years since I found this cash. I was first to find a a cash, and the first to find prize in there was silver rounds, actual silver, one-ounce silver rounds. But I found, like... uh, painted rocks. Some of them are quite cute. Some of them are very good. Um, I found a soap a soapstone sculpture of a small animal. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a raccoon. I'm not sure though, because it's hard to see Mm -hmm. the shape. Um, but there's often, you know, Hot Wheels toys, uh, signature items, which are items that people make just to leave in the cash that indicates, uh, Flute Face was here, and I've had several signature items over the years. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned um, being
0: an owner and owning caches, and I know you own several. So tell us what's involved when you're an owner and, and what your responsibility is and all that
1: kind of stuff. Okay. Um, to place a cache, to hide a cache, um, the rule says that you need to have the land owner or manager's permission. Oh, that was going to be one of my questions. Are these all on public land? No. Okay. They're not. Um, how, however, the, uh, the permission is not always obtained or asked for even. Uh, and I, I speak with a certain amount of knowledge, partly because I've hidden plenty and partly because I work for a parks department in a volunteer position and they're supposed to come to the parks. And then what happens is the park... Refers them to me, mm. but I've only had one in the four or five years that I've been doing it with a park. But I know that they've been hidden in there. Okay, um, and I don't generally worry too much about it. the The problem comes in when somebody tries to put it somewhere where they shouldn't be doing it. Uh, a really big example is national parks. Oh, they're not allowed in national parks. They, they are allowed in national parks. Okay. However, there needs to be permission asked and granted Mm. part of it has to do with um uh keeping national and scenic areas free of paths where they don't want them uh sensitive environmental areas and that kind of stuff so generally speaking what what happens is that every cache that's placed is reviewed by a volunteer reviewer Mm. and those reviewers follow certain rules National parks need very specific permission. Uh, Washington state parks need permission. You have, I I speak from experience on that one, you have forms that you need to fill out and it needs to be approved. We've removed uh, caches out of some parks um, as we've progressed through the series because they're in bad places. They're... um, sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is something called trails tends mm-hmm. to appear where people start looking off trail. And it may only be 10 feet, but you still get a geo trail where people have walked through to try to find it. So in some of these sensitive areas, we don't want that to happen. So these reviewers make sure that all of the rules that we know of are being followed. Okay. I don't know about other states. I know that in Washington State, for example, you cannot put a geocache on tribal lands without specific permission from the tribal okay. authorities.
0: Great. All right, so back to being an owner. Ah. What your responsibilities
1: are and... Um, you're expected to keep your cash up. Um Sometimes, uh, not so much on this side, but on the other side of the Cascades, the west side, things get wet, mm-hmm. um, soggy. Sometimes geocaches get stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It happens. It, it It's not rare. Uh, people find them, don't know what it is. Oh, here's a cool ammo box. I think I'll take this home with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but it's out in the woods, so somebody must have lost it. Yeah. There's a responsibility and you are responsible for keeping them up, checking on them. Um, And with that in mind, uh, geocaches with containers, I am not allowed to own one of those in another state, for example, because that's too far away for me to keep up. Um, Unless I lived like right on the border of between Oregon and Washington. Now, I will say that I do own one one in California but I have somebody that looks after it for me. Okay. So that works.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> and is there any kind of status or points that you get
1: for owning? Not, not really. Um, I, I will say there's a variety of different types of caches. Most of them have containers. Some of them are mystery caches. Which means you have to solve some kind of puzzle. Mm. Generally speaking, oftentimes it's right there on the cache page. Maybe there's some weird math puzzle, or they—I have a cache that's a Sudoku puzzle. You solve the Sudoku puzzle, you get certain numbers in there, and that will give you the coordinates to where the cache is.
0: Oh my gosh! You're I, making it hard. But you don't have to do it.
1: Yeah. You don't have to do it. I uh, One of my favorite puzzle caches was one that I made that was based... Uh, it was called Roy G. Biv. Okay. And if you're a kid, most kids know what that means because yeah. they learned it in school. I didn't. Oh, it's as the a rainbow. Ma- yeah. Well, yes, but yeah. I didn't know that. But I, I learned about it and thought, oh, this is cool. So I had put out a, a string of beads in the colors of the rainbow, and you counted the beads on this string of beads mm-hmm. of different colors and that would give you the coordinates and then you go find the final. Oh okay. So I so there you can make it as hard as yeah. you want. And then there's multi caches where you go to one place and get some information and then you go to another place and maybe get more information and then that's enough for you to get to the cache. So like a scavenger hunt. Kind of, yeah. Kind of okay. yeah. Generally it's all that kind of stuff depending on it is all close together. What else? Let's see. Multi caches. Oh, earth caches. Those do not have containers. Earth caches are geology lessons that teach about the geology of the earth. Okay. And so, for example, we're here in Lapine State Park. Maybe an hour away is Fort Rock. Mm-hmm. There is an earth cache there which teaches you how Fort Rock was formed, oh. what happened through the geology over the uh, millennia, you know, thousands okay. and thousands and hundreds and millions of years, how it was formed, why it's there, um, what to look for. And then it asks you questions based on what you can see there. And okay. then you answer the questions and then you get the log the caches found.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a really great activity. So why do you think this is a good activity for
1: solo travelers, solo women? I think um, it's it, it's like what I did today. I went out and I got to see things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm perfectly happy taking somebody with me if they had wanted to go um, uh, or not. It, yeah. It's just, it gets you around, it gets you out of your campsite. Um, if you're by yourself, uh, I... I know women worry about safety. Yeah. I, in, in all of my years of RV by myself, either by myself, which has been mostly for the last, oh, seven or eight years, by mostly by myself, um, there's only been one time where I was afraid and it was not while I was geocaching Mm -hmm. and it was in the city. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those times, um, The only thing I would suggest if you're by yourself is make sure somebody knows where you're going. Yeah. Especially if you're going into the woods because you may not have cell phone signal. Correct. There are some devices that you can get if you pay a subscription that you can use this as an SOS kind of thing Mm. when you're, because it this, this talks directly to the satellites. This meaning your GPS device. This GPS device. Yeah. Now, but I, I think it's, it's a marvelous activity to get out and explore. Uh, while I was out there, I met this kid. It was, it was, uh, relatively amusing. He's out there tooling around on the dirt roads like I was. And we had met at one end and I couldn't get into the cache. Uh, my GPS thought I could, but it was wrong. Mm. So I turned around and went another way and I had seen him at the wrong place. I turned around, went one way. He found another way in, and we met at the geocache and chatted for a while. Oh, and he was out there geocaching as well? He was not. Okay. But he had heard of it and uh, was interested in it. Oh. Um, and sometimes you do run into other geocachers out there. Okay. You, um, the more remote you are generally not so much mm-hmm. um but you do run into other geocachers you run into other people i uh there were some women horseback riding out there as well nice. today okay so yeah. it it's a way to explore it's a way to view the area that you're in see wildlife find little treasures while you're out yeah, there yeah and you're showing me you found a little birds nest and a heart-shaped rock. is yeah. gorgeous. The and I, I will say I will not take a bird's nest out of a tree. This was on the ground. Okay. Or I, I wouldn't have touched it. Yes. Um. I will say geocaches. Some people put out bird's nests with a geocache in it. Oh. Or a bird house with a geocache mm. in it. Geocaches are not always in a box. A box. Yeah. But while you're out there, be careful. Uh, we've run in while caching. we've run into rattlesnakes, Okay. scorpions, mm-hmm. uh, inside the box. No. Okay. I generally not. I, I, I should, I should say that I did hide a cache once and I found this wonderful hole and Oh, great place. Oh. And I stuck it in there. It was a plastic <gasps> box and whoever lived in there chewed his way into the box and out the other side. Okay. So you might find something in your box, you know, when you're looking. You know, yeah, be, be careful. Just Wear your gloves, have your goggles on. <sighs> um. Well, you know what, take a, I try to remember to take a pokey stick with me. Okay. Because sometimes they're in like tree holes. I used to have one uh, in a hole in a tree that had to do with Winnie the Pooh. Mm you don't really want to stick your hand in holes. Take, take a pokey stick and gently poke in there yeah. or carry. I have a mirror that extends. You can mm. stick it in the hole and kind of look,
0: look around in there.
1: Okay. So. Yeah.
0: Well, fun, fun. This was great. Thank you so much for sharing all about that. Um, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us that, that I didn't get to ask?
1: Um, just a few other things about geocaching in the event arena. Um, there is one thing that we do that I should make sure that y'all know about um yeah. uh it's called um cash in trash out oh uh the idea being um that you take you put a cash in place and if you find trash or if you're visiting a cash and you find trash, take it out with you so long as it's not icky so you, you, know.
0: so you when you're out there you carry something. A bag or something to pick I up trash? I usually have a
1: bag, not necessarily to pick up trash, but I usually have a bag for who knows what mm-hmm. um, that you might find, or maybe you'll find a wet cache that, or a, a log, or you might replace the log and you, you want to help keep things dry. You might put all of this stuff in the plastic bag. But if you're out there and you find stuff around, you pick it up. But we also have events to do that. Oh, Oftentimes, like, uh, I... Uh, have hosted uh, a campout, a geocaching campout for the Washington State Geocaching Association. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, part of these campouts include what we call a CETO, cash in, trash out. Okay. And we'll spend time giving back to the park by working on a project for them for a few hours. Uh, Sometimes it's removing invasive weeds. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just picking up garbage. Um, We've done geocaching uh, CETO things where we've um, hacked away at Scotch Broom or mm-hmm. removed ivy um, or yeah that that kind of thing. That's
0: wonderful because you're out there enjoying nature. you might as well, you got to take care of it as well.
1: Yes. yes. That's great. That's so, awesome. I, I think it's an important thing that people realize we're not out there to make a mess. We're not yeah. trying to do that kind of thing. We're really trying to from my point of view, trying to bring people to cool places, yeah. beautiful places.
0: Nice. So if people want to connect up with you and, and, and ask
1: you questions or, and things like that, how, how can they connect with you? Um, a couple of ways. Uh, if you join geocaching.com, which you can do for free, you'll need to come up with a geocaching name. Yeah. Um, you can find me in there. My name is Fluteface and you can find me there as another player if... You have joined there. They will not release that kind of information without you being in there. They also won't give you cash locations without okay. you being a member. Okay. Um, and then if you become a premium member, which is $30 a year, I believe, then you can see the premium member cash as you can see mm. everything that they have and access some of their uh, digital techie goodies that can help you program gps's okay um another way you can find me is fluteface at gmail.com
0: awesome well thank you so much for sharing this with us today i think there's probably going to be a quite a few more people interested in geocaching once they hear about this and head out so thanks so much for for being on this podcast today my pleasure Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Travels with Squeaky. I especially want to thank Margaret aka Fluteface for sharing so much information with us today about geocaching. A few takeaways from today. Geocaching is a great thing that you can do on your own, but it can also be a great way for you to meet community. Um also that it's a thing that you can start out now and and get into more difficult and challenging caches as you learn and grow. And it's something you can continue to do for many years. Uh, three finding caches can take you to amazing and beautiful locations. And finally cash in and trash out. I really, I think that's great advice, whether you're caching or not to leave an area cleaner than you found it. So if you like travels with squeaky, I encourage you to leave a review. Um if there's something you heard today and you know a friend who would like to hear this, please feel free to share it with them. And if you have someone who you think would be a good guest on Travels with Squeaky, please send me an email at info@travelswithsqueaky.com. At See you out there on the road.